worship in the world is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. God, you chose the stars for the sky and you chose each hair on our heads and you chose each of us to be on this earth this day in this place. And we choose you. We choose to worship you. We choose of all the things we could be doing this morning to be here, learning about you, lifting our voices to praise you, turning to you for help in our times of trouble. So hear us now as we worship you. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
each week we admit that we are unfinished, meaning that God is not done with us yet. So saying the prayer printed before you, the prayer of admission, let us pray together. God, we are worried and distracted by many things. We want to be grounded in you. Forgive us when we get in our own way. Forgive us when we make anyone around us feel less than worthy of your love. Forgive us for taking you for granted in our lives. This is the greatest news. Through Jesus, the curtain between heaven and earth has been ripped apart, meaning we are forgiven, we are set free, we begin anew with him, thanks be to God. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis. I'm reading chapter 22, the first 14 verses. Listen now for God's word for you. After these things, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown them. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire 
and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father? And he said, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And the two of them kept walking. When they came to the place that God had shown them, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son, but, thanks be to God for that, but, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its thorns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The word of God for the people of God. There are a lot of troubling points in this story. The two big ones that stand out to me are one, that God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, and two, that Abraham attempted to do it. Now I have to tread lightly with my modern judgment on this ancient text. Because as I said before, human sacrifice, it was common in the ancient Near East. And for sure, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac's parents, were terrified and angry and heartbroken between God's request and Abraham's obedience. Abraham thought he was doing the right thing to show his belief in God, but I want to be clear here. I do not believe God asks us to harm others. I do not believe God asks us to harm others others in the name of God. In fact, God commanding harm in this text, it's not congruent with the God that we see throughout the rest of the Holy Scripture. What Abraham attempts is murder, and in just the next book of the Bible, Exodus, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, and one of those says, do not murder. God gives us the law out of love for us. It's as if God is looking down from heaven, seeing us causing harm among each other and says, nope, stop. Treat one another with human dignity. So Moses gets the 10 commandments from God. And then if you fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus is questioned by the religious authorities about the greatest of the commandments, Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart and your soul and Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two aren't meant to be pulled apart. We aren't meant to choose between the two. They're meant to be together. I do not believe that God wants us to harm one another. And so what we're gonna do today is turn our attention to the end of the story when God does this. 
As Abraham is about to use his knife to sacrifice his son, God speaks up and tells Abraham to stop. God provides a ram for the sacrifice and that knife, which Abraham was about to use to kill his son, is now used to unbind his son, to free him from harm's way. When have you realized that you were harming someone? When did you notice that your words or your actions or your inaction was harming someone? And then once you're aware of that harm that you're causing, how many of us tried to change course? Like quickly, like Abraham, cut free the cords that we ourselves have bound. We're in this sermon series about what to pack what to have ready in our minds and our hearts for this spiritual experience of life. And I originally based this sermon series on some advice that a ranger at Mount Rainier National Park told me. She gave me a list of eight things to pack, essentials, tools to pack in your bag to survive on a hike. And a knife is one of those tools. At first, I was kind of surprised that a knife made such a short list of essentials. Food and shelter and water, salt, those all make sense to me. But a knife kind of felt a little unnecessary for like a day hike, you know, until the ranger reminded me of the very practical use of a knife. For example, a knife can help clear brush in your way. A knife is necessary for preparing food. It cut our communion bread for today. If you're injured, a knife can literally save your life. It's what surgeons use all the time to save to heal. So a knife can cause harm, yes, but its primary use is not harm. It's a tool for practical surviving, for unbinding. That's what we're gonna focus on in the text, the point at which Abraham yields his knife to unbind his son and to cut him free from harm's way. I mentioned at the start why this text is so troubling theologically. It makes claims about God that I just cannot get behind. And it's also troubling for our understanding of human relationship. I mean, who in their right mind would harm their child? No one. And yet, if we were to take a look at ourselves, a really close look at ourselves, we are all guilty of harming the ones we love. Sometimes we realize that we're doing it in the moment, but oftentimes it is months, years, decades later when the person that we've harmed musters up enough courage to say, hey, do you remember this? Yeah, it hurts. We all cause harm. We all have this responsibility to cut away whatever it is that we are doing or have done to hurt others. Those ropes that we use to bind our children, it can look like rules meant for their good. Or it can look like expectations. Or it can even look like sarcastic comments that we don't even remember we said. There's a family I'm gonna call them the Liverpools. The Liverpool family is a great family. They are well-respected by their peers. 
They're involved in their church and in their kids' schools. The Liverpool parents, they love their kids so much. And they show their kids how much they love them by showing up to their sports activities, by taking off work to spend one-on-one time with them. There's no doubt in my mind that these parents love their children. But one day, their daughter told them something about herself that they could not accept. And when she told them, they didn't say a word. In fact, the dad, he got up and he left the room because he just, he could not handle what was going down. And the mother, she got up and she went over and she hugged her daughter, but she didn't say anything. And later that day, she didn't make eye contact. I met the daughter of the Liverpool family years later after this happened and still to this day, she feels the pain of her parents' response. It's as if she is still bound by their expectations of her, expectations that don't fit. What hurts this daughter is that they didn't take the time to cut away the expectations that they had put on her. They left the expectations on her because they couldn't deal with it. They didn't want to or they didn't have capacity to. Whatever happened, what ended up being cut was their relationship. They don't speak. The daughter quit talking to them. She moved far away. They don't even exchange text messages on Mother's Day or Christmas anymore. I still think those parents are good parents. I do, I know they love their children and they want what's best for them. They cannot bear the thought of their child, their heart, walking around, bumping into things, being harmed. And yet they harmed their child in a real, personal, emotional, spiritual way that is still harming her today. I don't preach this scripture about Abraham and Isaac often because it's so painful. And yet I know we must preach it because we can find ourselves in Abraham's shoes, thinking that we're doing the right thing and yet causing harm. Y'all might remember that Abraham was being faithful to God. He was trying to be faithful to God. Remember that Abraham and Sarah, they were barren for most of their lives, which means they couldn't have kids, right? I mean, for decades, watching all of their friends get pregnant and have gender reveal parties, they know grief. He can come up here if he wants. He might help me out, actually. They know grief, they know disappointment, and they know deep faith in God. For it was God who visited them as an angel and and allowed Sarah to become pregnant with child Isaac. Isaac got his name because when God told Sarah the plan, she laughed because she thought it was so ridiculous. And yet God provided for them. So I'm not faulting Abraham for trying to be faithful to God, for trusting God. I'm blaming Abraham for inflicting harm on his son. Because even though Isaac is saved and the ram is provided at the last moment, can you imagine the irreparable emotional harm on their relationship when Abraham told Isaac to get up on the sacrificial mound? 
There are not enough I'm sorry's to ever make that okay. Here's what did go right. Abraham was open to a change in the plan. Abraham was open to God providing a different way forward. Abraham used his knife to free his son from the harm he had already inflicted on him. And those cuts of liberation can never come too late. If you're listening to this sermon right now and you are being harmed or have been harmed by someone who says God told them to do or say something to you, I want you to hear me say I'm sorry. On behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, I am sorry. And I want you to question if that command comes from our God, the God of Abraham of love or from a flawed human. Don't believe a misguided human over God's voice to you. And if you're listening to this sermon and you realize, hmm, I might have harmed somebody. I might be harming someone. Question yourself. We must all question ourselves, our motives, our actions, our inaction. God is a God of love. Jesus embodied God's love here. Every child deserves God's love. I sometimes wish that I could yield my own knife and just cut out these stories from our Holy Bible because sometimes I think they cause more confusion and more spiritual pain than they do offer up the good word of Jesus Christ to us. But then I remember that God gave us the Holy Bible because it's relatable. Unfortunately, too relatable. We can recognize ourselves in the flawed humans that fill the pages of our Holy Bible. And we aren't to fear these stories. And we aren't to ignore these stories. We are to learn from them. Learn how we are capable of hurting each other. Learn how God provides a different way forward and learn how we can use our knife to unbound what we have bound. There's another time in human history when religious officials sacrificed a son. And that son was Jesus. And though he did die on the cross, God provides a new way forward for all of us through his resurrection. Our God, the same God of Abraham, the God of love, who seeks not to bind, but to unbind to rip that curtain between heaven and earth, to set free. Don't forget it. Amen. I don't
by the children who spent their week here for Kindness Camp. They also created all of the plates that you'll get to see when you come to enjoy the sacrament together. I remind us that this table is Jesus' table, which means that all are welcome, any age, any person who is curious about following Jesus. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, O Lord, to give you our thanks and praise. Your steadfast love has held us since the beginning of time. It holds us now. Lord, you created the earth and you called it good. So return us now to our breath and to the goodness that comes from you to us in this meal. Bless these gifts of bread and cup. Open our eyes to see how you are present with us in real and mysterious ways. May we never forget the willingness you show to be near us. May we never forget the sacrifice of your son Jesus who came so that we would know we are never alone, never, ever alone in our suffering. We praise you joining our voices with the choir of angels and with the faithful of every time and every place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the high. 
Hosanna in the highest. Hear us together as we pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We remember Jesus' supper with friends. It was the night that they betrayed him. He took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body broken and given for you. Don't forget. And in the same way, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he poured it out saying, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, don't forget. For as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup together, we proclaim Christ's saving grace to our broken world. Thanks be to God. The table is ready. Let us pray. God, you fill us with good gifts. Study us now. And give us the eyes to see where you are calling us to unbind, to share your bread with others. Amen. I invite you now to stand and sing farther along together.
go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the interruption of the Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.